would wake up one day and say, I, I am filled with so much wisdom I must bestow upon another. And boom, you're a life coach. You need more certifications to operate a forklift than to be a life coach. Tony Robbins is the supreme oligarch within his own empire. He preaches that life's pain is self-determined and that it is your fault for feeling anything negative. So you have to endure this like psychedelic trip almost without the enjoyment of the drug itself. For a guy that preaches that all of your problems are self-determined and that you need restraint, and then he goes on to berate women about sexual violence being their fault, if you have to pay money for something, you should ask why. This is the modern day con that people and specifically businesses continue to fall for it and fund it. And it just grows and grows and grows until it's out of control. Welcome to episode 10 of the Can I Tell You Something podcast. We did it. We made it to double digits. Yes, we, I think that's quite an accomplishment for us. I think so too. I know that we were planning on doing a lot of episodes, but it's kind of cool to hit this landmark. So for those of you that have been listening along with us, thank you so much. Yes. And for those of you who might listen to this after it's published, maybe a year after, I think it's kind of cool to be able to say this is where we started. So this is the beginning, our origin story. And today we have a wonderful episode for you all. Well, there's some good parts and some bad parts. We are going to investigate life coaching as an institution. And then we are going to dive into one of the most notorious life coaches, Tony Robbins, and kind of talk about what he preaches and where that fits within the life coaching space. Yes, and then I'm going to share a little bit of an experience that I have had with him, non-voluntarily, I need to add, just to give a little more, I don't know, of a real perspective on the impact of, of this crazy guy. And then, yeah, like you said, life coaching as an institution, I'm sure everyone out there has heard of it, or at least has an idea of what life coaching is. Maybe you even have a life coach, or you know someone who's a quote-unquote life coach. And so we're going to get into the background of that and some not so great parts of it as well. Yes. So without further ado, let's get into what is a life coach. So you might have seen around life coaches or advertisements for life coaches, or you might know someone that uses a life coach. And life coaches tend to have a routine meeting with someone usually every week or so, where they provide life advice or guidance. They are there to establish routines for people, help them work through some of their problems, which may sound a lot like a therapist. But To me, uh, a life coach is a self-help book in the flesh. It is, yes, exactly. Like it's, it's such a step below therapy to me that... A, I never trust anyone who says that they're a life coach. And B, it's like, it seems a little phony. It, it does. Because the difference with life coaching and, like you said, therapy is like therapists or just anyone in the mental health field has to go to school for a long time to be able to do that. But life coaches could be any old schmuck off the street. Yeah. And, and I do also want to make clear that you have therapists, right? 
And then you also might have heard of the title counselor. Counselors still have to do a lot of work. Right. And some sort of training is required, whether it's medical or non-medical, to obtain those titles. Whereas life coach, you could wake up one day and say, I, I am filled with so much wisdom I must bestow upon another. And boom, you're a life coach. This is a perfect way of outlining the simple fact that there are no legal requirements to sell your service as a life coach. Which is so mortifying to me. There are many, many, many more requirements for a restaurant than there are for a life coach. You need more certifications to operate a forklift than to be a life coach. I need more certifications to be able to touch food in a restaurant than to be a life coach, legally. So when we think of the term life coach, I'm sure we all have some sort of image that comes to mind. For me, it's probably someone who wears long tunics with long beaded necklaces, who speaks a lot in this tone, speaks a lot with the energies and the vibes you put out into the world are those that which come back to you, stuff like that. And there's actually a very specific reason why that's the image that pops in your head, because life coaching as it is today is actually an evolution of a movement of like self-actualization from the 60s and 70s. A lot of people are going on these introspective retreats and those sorts of things like imagine, with shrooms yeah is kind of what you're getting at like <laughs> yes it, to me modern day life coaching or i think it's called like the new age life coaching is reminiscent of like psychedelic trips and journeys that became really popular in the 60s and 70s but now you have to go through all that without the drugs. So you have to endure this like psychedelic trip almost without the enjoyment of the drug itself. Like you're just being talked at by some rando you found on the internet. It's, I mean, it's like, it's Craigslist therapy in a nutshell a little bit. And that's one side of it. So I do want to add a quote that really just grounds what we're talking about here. This comes from the Skeptical Inquirer which they did a really great article talking about how self-help fits within our modern landscape. And it says that life coaching is the latest evolution of the 1960s positive psychology and human potential movements, which traded the external authority of God for the inner authority of the psyche. So that's where this is really rooted in, if we want to look at this historically. But the practice today is, it's interesting to say the very least. Definitely. And what I was going to get at earlier is like, yeah, there's this one new age, almost religious sort of spirituality slash drug trip side. And then there's the complete other side, which I think we see a lot on the internet now is like the alpha man, hype beast, motivational speaker style of coaching, specifically targeted at men, I think. And that... (laughs) That is also really dangerous because there are several people on the internet, for instance, Andrew Tate, who are giving a lot of advice and, dare I say, asking you to pay for courses to better yourself as the alpha male or whatever that have no authority to be doing this. And they're giving away just the most wretched and horrendous information to like young boys and men out there. 
that it's so scary. It really reminds me of in the If Books Could Kill podcast, uh, one of the hosts will say from time to time when talking about specifically self-help books that the the scientific or like the the factual backing for what people are saying is the equivalent at man yells at cloud. There is nothing. It's just someone's writing words on a piece of paper. There's no evidence that it has any sort of meaning or impact in the real world. People just listen to it because well, it they have them feel a following, good. so they must be credible to some extent. I'm sure that's what people think is like, oh, this person has amassed a certain amount of quote unquote followers or like disciples. And so people will continue following them. Yeah. Because they don't want to feel left out. They want to be in with the in crowd. Who doesn't want that? So I, I don't want to fault people for falling for a life coach, if I use those words, because I understand how it happens. But on the flip side, I think we do have to explain the like really dark side of life coaching and why people should be a little bit more skeptical of people that they meet on the internet. Yes. And so this is where I want to illustrate an argument that is in defense of life coaching as an institution, because I think that there is actually a decent argument for it to exist. And the this quote comes from psychology.org. If you look up, what is a life coach? Like psychology.org is like, hey, this is what a therapist is. This is what a counselor is. This is what a life coach is. So we do have some general definitions. A psychologist is going to have a doctorate in the field of psychology. So that means that they went to undergraduate, then they did master's, and then they got a PhD on top of that. And a counselor is going to have a master's or uh, a social worker will have a master's, but they are also required to do clinical hours. So this is kind of really similar to the way that PAs work within the healthcare system. It's very similar. And there is a reason why there is this distinction. All of them serve their own purposes within our current healthcare infrastructure. Right. Like when I think of counselor, I think of school counselor almost where they can, they have the credentials to offer you tools and advice, but they can't give you medication. Exactly. And so medication falls outside of the field of psychology because that is psychiatry, which is... That's what I always mess up. Yeah. It, and people met, like there are so, so many articles outlining that difference because I remember when I first looked for mental health care, I needed to understand what the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is. And so that difference, just to be really explicit, psychologist is more of the talk therapy sort of stuff. They're really important and they are your first point of contact usually if you do need medication because psychologists work a lot with psychiatrists who are able to prescribe medication. And psychiatrists will meet you for shorter periods of time, just checking in on how medication's working, whereas a psychologist will meet for longer periods of time and more routine. I understand why that system is in place because obviously you don't want every single healthcare professional to be able to write a script. But I know from my own experience and a lot of people in my life that it's, it's so difficult to eventually get that medication you need or the help you need because like you said it's it's not really laid out for you and so you have to go and find it yourself and oftentimes if you are in a point in your life when you're looking for a therapist chances are you don't have the energy or the confidence or just the will to be able to do that and so I wish that there was more support 
in understanding that. And I got really lucky, like one of my fourth therapists in life was a nurse practitioner. And I loved her. She's still my favorite healthcare professional I've had to this day. Um, And she was able to give me the scripts, the talking, the background and the support. And so I think that's also a really cool route is like if you're needing mental health support, there are avenues outside of the traditional counselor, psychiatrist or um, therapist. Yeah. And to build off of that point, that's where you see your social workers come into play. That's where you see your counselors. They're like the first line of defense. It's a lot easier to get in with a social worker or a counselor than it is with a psychologist. And that's because if if people pay attention to the current mental health care infrastructure news, there's a big lack of psychologists that are able to address current mental health needs. So that's why you have these different levels. It's easier to have someone be trained as a social worker than it is for them to become a psychologist. I I wouldn't use the word easier because I think that kind of puts people into boxes, but more so it's just less time. Less time. Yes. The turnarounds really is that much quicker. Right. So if someone, you know, figures out that's what they want to do with their life, but maybe they don't want to spend, what's it, 12, 8 to 12 years in school or spend that much money in school, Mm -hmm. that's like a quicker way to still um, offer the help in that field. That's where life coaching is an interesting space because there is a governing body that exists within life coaching, but they're not bound by law to have to get this specific certification, but it does exist out there. And it is the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching. Oh, that just sounds like an MLM. It does. But I I did some research. It's a lot better than you think. Okay, do tell. So... You have the double-edged sword of life coaching, which is that you can have people that just give really bad advice and services due to no regularization or standardization of practice. The flip side, though, is it also allows people to deliver quality care without the investment required to become a psychologist. And I, I understand that aspect, but I really I, I need to stop you at quality care. Like, how is that even regulated or determined that what they're offering is, quote unquote, quality? That's a really good question as well. So I I actually took a look at what the course requirements were to be able to pass this specific exam. So first, you have to take uh, NBHWC accredited course. And those courses are offered by a variety of colleges and universities. There are a lot of community or community colleges in there. There are a variety of universities, and even the Mayo Clinic has a certified course. And are all life coaches required to do this? No, that's the issue. So only the ones that want to. So only the ones that want to can do this. So How does that make any sense? It's because there's no legal requirement to advertise your services as a life coach, but there is training out there for someone that wants to be a life coach to do so, I would say, more ethically or in a more informed way. So that's where you have, there's no legal binding, but there are resources. And this is where psychology.org tells you that if you are looking into getting help from a life coach instead of a therapist, which I would almost guarantee that it's a lot easier to get in with a life coach than a therapist, you should first check for experience. What is their prior experience? What education do they have? The second thing is check their credentials. 
do they have this specific certification? Do they have other certifications? What's their background like? And then third, check their client testimonials. And the big picture for me, the way that I see this is, especially within the, like the defund the police movement, right? Where they talk about having people that are more aware of what's going on within a community to address specific social work style needs. Having someone in the community that's trained in this way, where they are referencing the National Institute of Health and the CDC's guidelines for these specific cases can help improve community health. It's like, here's your first point of contact for community health. But, but to me, that's just a social worker. That's yes. not a life coach. And there's, I think there's such a big difference. I would, I would trust a social worker in probably almost any situation. But this person wouldn't be a social worker because it's not, it doesn't fit the LCSW or the LMSW requirements for social work. But in this situation that you're mm -hmm. talking about, then they wouldn't be a life coach either because they'd have to have some sort of, I, I don't want to say legal requirement, but some something more than just the governing body that runs them. Like there, there has to be more regulations than just maybe passing one test if they feel like it. Yes. And that's where it was also weird because I was looking at some of the companies that do, or private companies that do offer certification courses. And that included companies like Headspace. And it's like, I don't trust Headspace to Headspace, train people. Better help. Yeah, probably like, calm. Yeah. It, you know, they, they provide a service, but let's be honest, we've heard a lot of the, the horror stories of these programs. And I know that people have had bad experiences with mental health care professionals. Like that is also very true and very common. Yeah. Out of the probably 10 plus therapists I've been to or mental health people I've been to, I've only liked one. Yes. And so that's where the question gets tricky. My belief is that because there is a governing body for psychologists and for social workers, that there is a way to hold those people accountable if they do malpractice. Like medical malpractice right. exists. And it's I think and that, that goes back to, I keep saying like trust. Mm -hmm. I'd like to think, and of course there's situations out there that challenge this, but I'd like to think that most people trust their doctor to, to some degree. And maybe you're seeking out a specific type of doctor or a specific type of person that fits that trust that you can find. And that all comes back to, it's like, yeah, you can sue them for malpractice. Like there, mm -hmm. there are things in place that make that less risky for somebody to be more open and honest with. Whereas with a life coach, there's nothing. And like, what if you spill your life's beans or whatever to this life coach and then they go and like, well, okay, for instance, what if you like tell them something super secretive about a business you want to start and they go and steal that and like make their, make their business. I don't know. Or I, even worse, you divulge information and then they like share it with the press or they share it with your family or they share it oh, with. Yeah, because like, mental health. Um, sorry, I'm spacing on the word mental health professionals. Yes. Um, they're. 
they have to keep certain secrets and like the only thing that they can break like HIPAA is if you're going to hurt yourself or someone else that they can report. But you're right. That didn't even occur to me that like life coaches, do they even have to adhere to HIPAA or probably not because that's not a real medical institution yeah they, that's really they won't terrifying lo- they won't lose their license if they violate because there is no license yeah. and to me that is so sketchy because most likely you would divulge the same information um to a therapist that you would a life coach but with a therapist you know that that information is safe and trusted and if it's not they're going to be fired and probably thrown in jail but with a life coach nothing will happen And so that's why psychology.org really distinguishes, hey, if you're dealing with past trauma, if you're dealing with events of your life, that's the time you go to a psychologist, you go to a professional for that. But if you want someone to like help you establish a routine and like, I guess, hold you accountable to certain life goals, yeah, you can get a life coach. I just roll my eyes at that. Like personally, I feel like there is no excuse in this whole wide world to ever ever trust a life coach and i know that's cynical and if some of you out there have a life coach and you're taking this to heart i really do apologize but come on how did we get here how did we fall for this who is this person with a long beaded necklace and long gray hair with a soothing voice where did you find them and if they call themselves a guru oh don't even get me started on run I think what really, really grinds my gears about this whole life coaching thing is people who would ever even consider having a life coach are more likely than not going to be in a state of desperation to some degree. Absolutely. And so the industry itself is relying on people being down on their luck and taking advantage of that and most likely exploiting that emotion for money. It seems like it's a bit predatory. Exactly. And and I guess that could also be said for mental health professionals. But at least in the state of Washington, and I think a lot of states, like mental health is free. You can find it for free. You can at least get a starting point. I know that, that the systems can be really, really difficult to parse through, but there is help and there are facilities for people who really need it. Whereas life coaching would never be free. Never. If if you have to pay money for something, or I I think in general, if you have to pay money for something, you should ask why. And if you're not paying for something, then you have to ask yourself, what are you giving up? Because I think that's really good. Both both work kind of equally in our world. So, and I I don't yeah. want to say that like mental health professionals and the doctors who go to school should be trusted a hundred percent and like life coaches should be trusted zero percent. I'm just saying there's, there's kind of, I lean towards one more than the other and I trust one more than the other. And so it seems like you're describing having some sense of healthy skepticism, being a bit critical about the institution and speaking of being critical. I want to present two characters to this podcast. The okay. first of which is going to be Tony Robbins. <gasps> and He's here? And the second is going to be his estranged eighth cousin, nine times removed, Larry the Life Coach. Listen here. Folks, 
We have a great podcast. At least we think so. And we hope you do too. But we are also the only two people on this podcast, so we could be a little delusional about this take. And because of that, we're looking for viewers like you to tell us, tell it to us straight. Are we a good podcast or are we not? We want to interact with you. We want your opinion. Your opinion. You can find us at the Can I Tell You Something podcast on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, where you'll hear us talk about things like, well, I don't know, do plants have feelings? What is the Myers-Briggs personality test? Who is Steve G? And what do you think about the Barbie movie? All that and more at the Can I Tell You Something podcast. All right, you might notice that there's a bit Something a bit different about my appearance. Costume change. There was a wardrobe change. Right now, I am Larry the Life Coach, which is my life coach business name. As a life coach, I'm the guy they call when the internet's not working or when the cabinet door slams too hard. Sometimes when the faucet's leaky. When the door's a little too creaky. That's me. And every once in a while, I'll give unsolicited life advice. That's my shtick. I have no certifications. Just swag. Just swag. My degree is in an entirely unrelated field. But I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm surprised you even have a degree, Larry. You know, to be quite honest. Larry is a graduate now. Well, that's good to hear. I, I have a little bit more trust in Larry now. Oh, you shouldn't, though. So, Larry, what is your degree in? Uh, women and Gender Studies, and then I had a minor in Art History. Oh, seems interesting. Yeah, makes me a lot better than my eighth cousin, nine times removed. Um, Mr. Tony Robbins? <laughs> Mr. Tony Robbins. Now, some of you may be familiar with Tony Robbins. Some of you may not. And for those of you that are not, I am... I'm so sorry that we are... I am jealous. Yeah. There, there used to be a time in my life where I truly didn't know who this man was. And I relish those times deeply. I wish that I could go back. But alas, I cannot, and so I must bring you all down with me. Exactly. And down this rabbit hole, we shall go. And you may be asking yourself, who is Tony Robbins? What's all the fuss about? Why are we talking about this dude? So this dude, Tony, I'll give you a little bit of a background for who he is. So he started in 1977, the year that Star Wars A New Hope came out, as an apprentice of Jim Rohn, an entrepreneur, author, and motivational speaker. Who gained, Red flag already, I'm sorry. <laughs> who gained quick popularity as a motivational speaker in the 60s. This guy, I think, was working for Sears, uh, like higher up at Sears. And then they're like, hey, you want to give a talk? And apparently he was pretty good at giving talks. But then you may be asking, who is Jim Rohn? So Jim Rohn was inspired by John Earl Schof, a motivational speaker for Nutribio Corporation, a multi-level marketing scheme that sells vitamins, minerals, and protein supplements. I knew that this was going to start with an MLM <laughs> somehow. All roads lead to MLMs. Uh, so it's like, when, when I was first looking up Tony Robbins, and I was like, oh, who's this guy that like started him off? And I was like, oh, who started him? Oh, we hit the MLM. <laughs> so it, it seems like there have been mentors 
that keep this cycle of this new age life coaching going? Yes, it's it's not it's never been dead. And I think that you will see that there's a lot of parallels between this um, philosophy and new age religions. If you're wondering what a new age religion is, um, I would look to something like Scientology. I would look I would look to something anything that involves like the occult within the past like hundred years is an example of a new age religion. Um there's a variety of them, but they tend to be kind of more niche groups centered around a, a kind of cult-like philosophy. And I think that I was before getting into this episode, I was like, okay, what makes these a bit different than our traditional religious institutions? And in general, if your figurehead is still alive, that's a red flag, in my opinion. Because then that means that one person has supreme moral authority over an entire group of people with no checks and balances. And I want you to look at me in the eye and say that Tony Robbins doesn't do that. Just try. You can't. I tried. I, I can't. <laughs> you couldn't even... Uh, yeah, Tony Robbins is the supreme oligarch within his own empire. So you might be asking, what does Tony Robbins preach? Because, you know, Larry the Life Coach just kind of preaches, you know, like, be nice to people. Get a secure VPN. Get a secure VPN. Get that WD-40. Get the WD-40. If it creaks, usually WD-40. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Okay, just had to make sure. It, it kind of rolled off the tongue. I wanted to make sure I'm given accurate information oh, out here on behalf of you, Larry. You know, my reputation and my certifications are on the line, which there are none. <laughs> so... I had the honor and privilege of downloading Tony Robbins' app. Another red flag. <laughs> why, why does he have an app? And what is it called? Um, let me pull it up on my phone because this thing is hysterical to me. Is it called Tony Robbins? Um, it's called Breakthrough. Oh. And the logo is a little hexagon with a TR. Oh, so that must be his... Toneth oh. Robinson. Yep, that's his little logo. His little his little doodad. It looks like a finance or like a crypto logo. Oh, doesn't it now? Hmm. That's really unfortunate. So in my research, I listened to the introduction to his ultimate edge course, which is like his kind of flagship course. It's the first thing that pops up on the app. We also listened to his TED Talk from 2006, which was nuts. Like We will link it below because I think the thing that resonated with us most is this man will spend hours yelling at you and just not making any sense whatsoever. He will say probably like five unrelated things within one sentence, but he's so charismatic that you actually believe that he's speaking some sort of truth. He is a walking run-on sentence. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. So I, I was trying to break down, okay, what is his philosophy? Because this guy likes lists, he likes PowerPoints and all that sort of stuff. But there are some, there is some continuity between his sermons and the first one was that he promises to transform your life emotionally, physically, financially, 
and transform your relationships. So basically everything that could be going wrong, Tony's going to fix it. Tony, He's on the case. Tony's on the case. For me, it's hinges and internet. And that I could trust because you know what? I do need help with that stuff. You know, you got to have a, you got to have a Larry. And then the next thing that he was talking about was taking control and creating life on your own terms, which this will come back later as a theme where he preaches that life's pain is self-determined and that it is your fault for feeling anything negative. Like circumstantial stuff doesn't exist to this guy. There's this really concerning video that I've seen when you look up Tony Robbins controversy that comes up where I think it's like a woman was her husband cheated on her or somehow something was going wrong in that relationship. And he basically said, well, it's your fault that your husband has cheated on you. Like, what did you do wrong that made him do that? Mm -hmm. So... He's just, he's a straight up victim blamer. He's the king Probably a woman hater. Easily he a woman is. hater. Oh yeah, no, he, he was outspoken against the Me Too movement and then had to. And then got Me Too'd. Yeah. <laughs> Which we will get into a little bit later. I should cover my nipples now. Like, oh my uh, gosh, you really should. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so creating life on your own terms. Um, the other thing that he talks about is putting yourself in a position where the outside world is not the driving force in who you become or what you enjoy or what you create in your life. So that's, again, the self-determined, just manifest it, buddy. He seems to be really obsessed with control and power. Oh, I wonder if this will be a reoccurring theme. But um, And then he will always say that he thanks the audience for the privilege of being able to serve you. It's always serving you, which I think is echoing those that new age religion term. And like you said, he's giving almost these sermons and he's preaching at you. And he makes these really easy to understand lists and graphics. And that's really concerning to me because it feels like he can almost appeal to anyone. Oh, yeah. If you have emotional, physical, financial or relationship problems, Tony's your guy. Hmm. That's every problem pretty much yeah, under like, the what sun. what if I have all of the above? So this is where I like, or I'm going to throw in the tagline. We talked about this tagline too, because it's utterly absurd that Tony brags about, he's the guy that gets called on when the top athlete in the world is burning down on national television or a child's about to commit suicide. Beat for beat. If you look up anything this guy says, he I will go athlete child suicide i think it's legitimately in every single talk he gives because like, like i'll get into i have had the misfortune in having to um, be involved in some of his teachings through work and in every video i've seen through that that is said and it i think it's this like sense of credibility and pride for the guy because like Again, I'll go back to another famous video of, a, I don't think it was a child necessarily, maybe a man or a young man who was very, very depressed and wanting to commit suicide. And essentially the video is Tony talking him off the ledge. And that's his claim to fame, I guess. Also, when we go back to the athletes, what can you read the athlete quote again? 
I get called when the top athlete in the world is burning down on national television. Yeah, what does that mean? So it's like if any athlete goes through a slump of sorts where they were really good, but now they're not the best in the world, they call Tony. Who? All of them? Athletes. That's so concerning. He, he has like a small list, right? So the top athlete thing is something that I can really speak on because I was in the world of sporties in athletics and I bet you any sports psychologist in the world is just, you know, screaming into a pillow whenever they hear Tony say this because... Like sports psychologists, it's just a branch of psychology around like performing physical actions. It's a very real discipline. And there are like certain things that they say in that discipline that are, you know, very helpful to people that have performance related jobs. And I would not trust Tony to give that sound advice to just he would show up and just blame me for everything bad in my life, spit in my face and say, do better and then force me to stay up for 48 hours at one of his seminars. I think it just goes back to the guy has the biggest ego in the world. And he is so quick to just drop names of who he's helped. So he'll say like certain presidents and celebrities and like you said, athletes and now children wanting to commit suicide. Like the guy's done it all is what he claims. And if anyone has to name drop celebrities to give credibility then they're not credible it's like an immediate red flag especially in a life coachy self-help sort of space and the the thing the pinnacle of tony's teachings and this is where i'm going to introduce the first paradox of tony because there are two and one we kind of briefly identify but i do want to expand upon The first idea is it always gets better and there is infinite improvement in your life. So it's like he's a big growth mindset guy. And I heard like growth and fixed mindset stuff when I was when I was doing sports for a while. And it was like I I always felt that it was kind of a weird way of breaking things down because it was growth mindset is that you can change and fixed mindset is that you can't. And it's just this harsh binary where, yeah, there are times where people are more resistant to change and times where they're not. And of course, the like people that are more open to change are going to tend to change. And so it's just, it's really a self-fulfilling prophecy that says nothing. And that also is just an absolute and puts people into boxes, which mm-hmm. I feel like would be the last thing you would do with personalized life coaching. You know, if I were to, you know, this is my unsolicited life advice for anyone out there that might be in some sort of performance scenario, whether it is sports, whether it's in the arts, whether it's in school, and someone goes up to you and says, oh, the reason you're doing bad is because you have a fixed mindset, not a growth mindset. First of all, don't be friends with that person. (laughs) Second of all, know that personal growth is one of the most complicated things that humans ever talk about. Like that is, if you look at the pyramid of needs, that's self-actualization. That's like your, you know, introspection. People have written books upon books upon books about this stuff. It's very complicated. Don't let someone say that you have a fixed mindset and that's why you have issues. That's, you know, it's 
very disingenuous to you as a human being. But let's get into this first paradox, which is the infinite improvement. Stocks always go up and the stock being you. Oh my God. <laughs> so self-improvement in this philosophy requires depersonalization. So it's always saying that I am at fault for everything. And the only way you can overcome I am at fault for everything is by like separating the world around you from yourself, like hard cut. External world doesn't exist. It's only me. I'm isolated. But when you isolate yourself from the world and relationships and all that sort of stuff, naturally your brain's going to be like, hey, we're social creatures. We need other people in our life, other people in our corner. We need to work alongside other people. So then you seek self-improvement. And if self-improvement then is determined by cut yourself off from the world, then you're in a circle. You're spinning around and around. And you're making no progress whatsoever. In fact, you're probably just blaming yourself or having like an internal spiral moment. And now you're worse off than you were before. Okay, so this is from this article from the Skeptical Inquirer. It's a great article. It's, you know, for people that haven't read social science related stuff, I would say that this is a really well-written article. They start off with a nice anecdote. They kind of ease you into it. And they don't go as much into Tony Robbins, but they go into like, what are the issues with what is being preached? I think real quick, sorry, before you start yeah. that, when you read articles like that, that aren't just like hate pieces on people, I think those are always more credible because it would be so easy to say like, Tony Robbins is a scam and here's why. But instead they're like, hey, this is what this guy is saying and it's actually pretty messed up and yes. here's why. So when you read articles like that, it, like Tony Robbins aside, anything you're reading, I think that's a really good lens to take. Personal coaches tell clients that if they are to achieve their visions, they must take responsibility for their own life and sense of well-being. This is sound advice in most cases, but the flip side is that we have no one to blame but ourselves for all conceivable problems, whether they are about relationship breakdowns, job losses, or serious illnesses, writes Cedarstrom and Spicer 2015. And then this is further expanded upon when it says the implicit message promoted by the life coaching industry notes Brinkman 2017 is that perpetual pursuit of self-improvement defines the meaning of our existence, regardless of the actions we take or the directions we pursue. Yet if taken to the extreme, this way of thinking resembles psycho or this way of thinking resembles psychopathy or antisocial personality disorder. He writes other people are, at best, instruments at your service used to maximize our happiness and success. Well, that's incredibly concerning. So it's like, this is not saying Tony Robbins is a little slimester or anything like that. It's like, let's say how this philosophy is actually playing into people's lives. If someone read those two paragraphs to me and is like, do you want to watch this seminar now about this? I'll be, no. Right. And I think the, the thing to take away from that is he talks about, or, I'm sorry to assume that's a he. Was it a he who wrote this? I believe so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I really need I I need a life coach to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> um is they mentioned going to the extreme. And mm -hmm. Tony Robbins is all about the extreme. He is so 
over the top in the way he speaks and what he talks about that I think that he kind of makes people feel bad for not mirroring that same energy. Absolutely. Which, you know, this infinite energy, this, this motor that he seems to have, it is reflected in the way that he does seminars, which are known for starting early and going well past midnight. With little to no, or I'm sure they have little breaks, but it's like very little breaks and food breaks and like potty breaks are few and far between. In fact, I have a quote because there is, and this is I think a good way for us to transition into the 2019 articles from BuzzFeed News, which if you're wondering, is BuzzFeed News credible? Yes. BuzzFeed is different than BuzzFeed News. And we need to get that straight because BuzzFeed News has won like awards for journalism. Right. It's, it's not the, the BuzzFeed quizzes you're, you might be thinking about. This is incredibly like this is different. Don't compare the two for this particular context. They're the same company, though. Yeah, it's like same parent company, brand name, but very good journalism. But there was this one quote that illustrates the nature of his seminars, where it's as follows. Robin's intensive multi-day events are often held in rooms deliberately kept cold and run from early in the morning to well past midnight with few breaks for food and water. Followers are encouraged to run across hot coals. Internal company emails revealed concerns about fans suffering from mental breakdowns after days of emotional exhaustion, as well as sleep deprivation and dehydration. In this intense atmosphere, some audience members became disoriented as the days went by, said Todd Spenley, a former logistics contractor for the organization. We used to joke about it, he said. People started popping like popcorn. So it was like, this is not just a one or two people thing. It was, these people were so physically and emotionally deprived of any sort of resources that they became delirious. And so, yeah, in that delirious state, of course, you're going to listen to six foot seven steroid riddled, coked up Tony Robbins, which side note, we will link his Ted talk. And I want you to just try and keep track of the number of times he starts like fumbling at his nose and then also look at the change of his voice from there to decades in the future. For a guy that preaches that all of your problems are self-determined and that you need restraint, and then he goes on to berate women about sexual violence being their fault? It's really a lot to it, think about. It paints a and look at the gross guy's, photo. Look at the guy's neck, too. I mean, this Vascular. guy, he, he just can't be trusted. And I, I do apologize. I'm sick, so my, my voice might be a little silly. But let's get back into these seminars. And then I do want to play a clip of his voice in case you haven't heard it, because I think it is actually really important to hear yes. the guy. But these seminars that you just spoke of, people pay thousands of dollars to attend. And that's what that's what gets me is somehow this man has convinced millions of people to follow him and pay upwards of $10,000 to hear him talk. The target that shapes you, here's what's different about people. We have the same needs, but are you a certainty freak? Is that what you value most or uncertainty? This man here couldn't be a certainty freak if he climbed those, through those caves. Are you driven by significance or love? We all need all six, but whatever your lead system is, tilts you in a different direction. And as you move in a direction, you have a destination or destiny. The second piece is the map. 
Think of that as the operating system tells you how to get there. And some people's map is, I'm gonna save lives even if I die for other people, and they're a fireman, somebody else says, I'm gonna kill people to do it. They're trying to meet the same needs of significance, right? They wanna honor God or honor their family, but they have a different map. Excuse me? So this is where he, for, for those of you that don't have the visual on this, he pulls up a graphic that includes firemen, and Osama bin Laden. And it was firemen from 9-11. Yes. To, to give it some more depth there. And the, the crux of the argument is that they have beliefs, but different methods about enacting those beliefs. Which is, I, I think, true. Yes. Is what he's getting at. It's just... Then how does that relate to my life? Right. And... Also, why are you playing this for a room of Americans only a couple years after 9-11? Like, you know how people joke about 9-11 now and they're like, oh, is it too soon? Yeah. It's like, that actually was too soon, Tony. <laughs> like, too there, soon, there, Tony. It's more than likely that someone in that room was impacted by 9-11 to some degree. Yeah. He, he's the king of also, like, we talked about his tagline with athletes and then kid suicide. And... To me, at least, that's a very emotionally manipulative tactic because if you say that the guy that cares about child suicide's an asshole, then that makes you feel like an asshole. But I'll tell you something. It's okay in this context because Tony Robbins stinks. So let's skip ahead a little bit because at the way end of this talk, because he goes on, on and on about 9-11 for a long time. So we're going to skip to the end where he just kind of goes full psycho mode. I want to get to when he does like the little pump fake that he's done, but he's not. Oh, yeah. So at the end of his talk, when his time has run out, instead of being respectful and exiting stage for the next speaker to come on, he does a fake exit and then comes back and gives more. It's like his little encore. I mean, this guy's so egotistical that he thinks people care that much about him. So they got five or six good frickin' feelings, right? It's like they feel happy, happy, excited, oh shit, frustrated, frustrated, overwhelmed, depressed. How many of you know somebody who no matter what happens finds a way to get pissed off? How many knows somebody like this? <laughs> or no matter what happens, no matter what happens, they find a way to be happy or excited. How many know somebody like this? Come on. When 911 happened, and I'll finish with this, I was in Hawaii. I was with 2,000 people from 45 countries. We were translating four languages simultaneously for a program that I was conducting for a week. The night before was called Emotional Mastery. I got up, had no plan for this, and I said, oh, we had all this fireworks, I do crazy fun stuff. And then at the end I stopped, and I had this plan I was gonna say, but I never do what I'm gonna say. And all of a sudden I said, when do people really start to live? When they face death. And then I went through this whole thing about, if you were gonna get off this island, if nine days from now you were gonna die, who would you call, what would you say, what would you do? One woman, well that night is when 9 one happened. One woman had come to the seminar, and when she came there, she, her previous boyfriend had been kidnapped and murdered. Her friend, or her new boyfriend, wanted to marry her, and she said no. He said, if you leave and go to that Hawaii thing, it's over with her. She said, it's over. When I finished that night, she called him and left a message, true story, at the top of the World Trade Center where he worked, saying, honey, I love you. I just want you to know, I, I want to marry you. It was stupid of me. She was asleep, because it was 3 a.m. for us, when he called her back from the top and said, honey, I can't tell you what this means. He said, I don't know how to tell you this, but you give me the greatest gift because I'm going to die. And she played the recording for us in the room. She was on Larry King later. 
And he said, you're probably wondering how on earth this could happen to you twice. And he said, all I can say to you is, this must be God's message to you, honey. From now on, every day, give your all, love your all. Don't let anything ever stop you. She finishes and a man stands up and he says, I'm from Pakistan, I'm a Muslim. I'd love to hold your hand and say, I'm sorry, but frankly, this is retribution. I can't tell you the rest because I'm out of time. Tony. Okay, I, I just can't suffer through any more of that man's voice, but that's when he does his fake going off stage and comes back because he thinks everyone wants an encore from him because he's so wonderful and everyone's obsessed in his eyes. Yeah. So that when I heard that, that was just so deeply concerning. Oh, just, just the way he speaks to the crowd and what he chooses to speak about and address is, is interesting. And if you have the time to watch this whole video, which, like I said, we'll have linked down below, I really urge you to ask yourself, what is this guy talking about and what is he trying to accomplish? Real quick, would you like to just hear his voice today? Oh, yeah. So this was in 2006. Let's hear. Is it 2023? This one's like 2021, I believe. Okay. Let's hear a modern day Tony. Habits of emotion. Wherever my emotional home is, I will find a way to get back there. And until I change that, I'm going to have a problem. So that's enough of Tony. And we can tell that Tony is a bit outrageous, over the top, kind of a hyper charismatic verbal diarrhea sort of person. But jokes aside, this man is someone that abuses his power and his position of authority to specifically hurt women. And so that's where the BuzzFeed 2019 articles come into play. This was based off of a year-long investigation. And what's revealed from this is that at Tony's seminars and all of his courses and that sort of stuff, People have to sign things that they will not record anything, that they will not share anything, that all of the materials will stay to that seminar and that's it. So an informationally tight space. But the six articles that were published, I'm just going to read off the titles just so we know the full landscape of Tony's issues is first leaked records reveal Tony Robbins berated abuse victims and former followers accuse him of sexual advances. Second, Four more women have accused Tony Robbins of sexual misconduct. Third, Tony Robbins was filmed using racial slurs. Four, Tony Robbins punishes followers by making them drink unidentified brown liquid designed to have a lasting effect. Five, Tony Robbins has been accused of groping more women and mistreating vulnerable followers. And six, Tony Robbins has been accused of sexually assaulting a high schooler at a summer camp. So those are the six articles that outline this guy. Dear God, it's not looking good, Tony. And the, the high-level facts, that, like the most damning stuff is that two women assistants talked about how they were expected to work alone with him while he was naked in his hotel room. The last article talks about him sexually assaulting a high schooler when he was 25. Not a woman, a child. A child. While at and a summer camp. not sexual assault, that's molestation. Yes. Let's get that clear. Like, yeah. this guy, like you said, who talks about 
living your best life, having self-control, blah, 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 is just out here making women and girls' lives a living hell. Just because he can. And the final bit on that, too, is that one woman was fired after having a consensual relationship with Tony as his fame was growing and he was about to marry his second wife. If he's brainwashed someone enough to have a consensual relationship with them, he's, he's like cheating on his partners with people that he works with. His employees, and then using that power of being their boss to fire them, to make a problem go away. He seems like the king of making all problems go away. Maybe that's his true power as a life coach. He just uses it on himself. Because, I mean, he talks about being able to, like, live the life he wants to live and, like, have complete control over all of his problems. And he, and he obviously does. And it sucks to me because this came out in 2019 and nothing happened to the guy. Like, he has not served any time for any of the actions he has done. In fact, he only grew in popularity during the pandemic when he started doing the Zoom virtual seminars I spoke of. And that's so upsetting to me that a story or multiple stories like this can come out about an obviously really creepy guy. And because he can hide behind this life coach, all-powerful business mastery lens, people are just like, nah, like, that's not real. That's not, that's not our Tony. He could never do that. And he just gets away with it. And people continue to go to these seminars. Can I Tell You Something is a Threads exclusive social media podcast. But you can also find us on TikTok and Instagram at Can I Tell You Something podcast. And if you like listening with your ears to our wonderful voices, you can find more of us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you really love us, you'll stream us on all four. And if you don't... Simultaneously. Yes. So that's where we want to be really clear with, okay, you know, let's get some general advice for people that might be out there, that might be in emotionally vulnerable spaces, that are looking for answers, guidance, help, and encounter similar content or similar types of people. I think my biggest piece of advice for anyone is if you have to pay money for advice, you better know who you're paying. And for Tony Robbins, this guy has no credentials in psychology. He has no regard for social work or social sciences. He is probably one of the worst people on paper to give life advice. Through and through. But his charisma would convince you otherwise. And so, although I like 100% agree with that advice, I can also completely understand how this happens. And if we go back to cult behavior and people questioning, oh, well, why did you fall for that in the first place? Like, you're so dumb for falling for that. Well, you're not. It's like this guy is really, really smart in the way that he goes about convincing you or conning you. Yeah. And I think we have to acknowledge that. It's like we can give this advice all we want, but at the end of the day, he still has millions of people who follow him. 
That's where I really think about what are the checks and balances for someone like this. Well, there are none. At the end of the day, he's just a business. And so if there are no checks and balances for a person like that, then I would run for the hills. Yeah. I, and of course, this is just one instance within life coaching. And we have kind of talked about the institution in general. But I, I'm sorry to say that I think this is really common within life coaching. And, you know, of course, more names come to mind. Like Andrew Tate, I think, falls into this same exact category. I, I mean, I think that there's an element that they'll always exist. Um, I think that it's important to identify how they exist today, which is a lot through the, as you said, through online courses or like self-help courses. That's the medium right now. So it's, if you're wondering, oh, we're all, where are all the cults right now? I think that there's a strong argument that these self-help courses that are isolated from any other institutions that preach a, a final and definite word about life philosophy are particularly hazardous for kind of cult-like behavior. I think that while people aren't moving to a specific location to live in a little commune, as we like to imagine cults, I think that they can have oddly similar psychological effects on people and really alter the way that they see the world. And that's really, I mean, it's, it's discouraging and it's unfortunate. So in general, just be really careful if you're consuming a lot, a lot of content from a single person or a single source, or if you are paying a single person or entity for courses and advice and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I think that you can consume content from the same source repeatedly and be fine. But like you said, the moment your credit card comes out, you you have to think about it. And if you meet someone, whether it's in person or virtually, and they promise that they can fix certain parts of your life, that's the scam right there. Because a therapist will never promise that a priest or someone from like a real religious institution would never promise that. But life coaches will and will continue to do it. And I think you said it perfectly. It's like, this is the modern day con. We know that con men have been around forever. And this is the way it's happening. And it, it slips through the cracks because it, it looks so credible and so normal that people and specifically businesses continue to fall for it and fund it. And it just grows and grows and grows until it's out of control. And it sucks because when we were researching this or when you were researching this, I kept asking myself like, well, how did this guy get people to follow him? Like who, who gave him the credibility in the first place? And it sucks because I don't want to be blaming the people who followed him for that. But at the same time, it's, I, I have to wonder like, what, what does this guy have over you that makes you keep coming back for more and keep spending thousands of dollars and offering your valuable time to listen to him speak? 
because he can't offer personalized help. Because there's so many people in the room. So he's offering really general advice that could apply to anyone. It's almost like a horoscope. You know, like, why would you pay for that? In our closing thoughts for this episode, what is something that you'll be taking away from this? Never take out your credit card for an online course ever in your life. No matter how good something sounds, I can promise you now it is not because it's probably an MLM or a life coach scam. I don't think there's any in between. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, just be smart with your money. You, you can listen to these self-help preachings all you want for free. But don't, don't let people like Tony Robbins take your money. And be, I, I think being skeptical, although it might appear really cynical, is a really, really healthy practice, especially with finances and personal growth. Because at the end of the day, like you said, only you can make the changes you want to make. And getting some random generalized advice from a guy with a coke addiction, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to work out for you in the long run. And so, yeah, it's just, I think, practice skepticism. It'll, I think it'll get you farther in life than you think. So, with that, what did you learn from the episode? I learned, or I think it, this really reaffirmed a belief of mine, which is that no one's above criticism and that Having a, a single idol or a single source of truth can be incredibly dangerous for people. I've been particularly fascinated with how these sorts of movements start and how they grow and how they continue to have a lot of weight within our society. And I think that it just, it continues to exemplify how dangerous it can be to over-idolize or to hyper-idolize particular people. And it's not just your Tony Robbinses. It's anyone in the celebrity sphere. Just, you need to be critical. That person is just another human like you. And they can do bad things and they can do good things. And if you accept that they are human, there's a good chance that you might be able to relate a bit better with a seemingly untouchable celebrity sphere. You'll see where people in that space are being disingenuous. And then you get to see also when people are being genuine. But I think in general, don't have, don't have a single idol. Don't have a fixation on celebrity. It can be incredibly damaging. So that, that's what I took from it. I definitely agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Especially in a space of mental health and personal growth. I think that becomes 
that much more damaging when like your self-identity is on the line and your sense of self. Yeah. Because as humans, that's at the end of the day, all we have. And so don't, don't let a creepster like Tony Robbins take that away from you. It's not, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Agreed. Well, with that being said, thank you so much for joining us on the Can I Tell You Something podcast. Yes. Episode 10. We made it this far and we will be back next week with probably another juicy topic. We haven't quite decided yet, but... We have something in the works for sure. So we will see you next Wednesday. But until then, bye. Bye.